listening to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. text the staff last Sunday, I think I jumped the gun a little bit as always uh, because I've been thinking a lot about this uh, subject on lineage and legacy. You know, I think I'm in, in my 40s now, still very young, but most people will start thinking about what they leave behind right? at about 43, 45 uh, and what life is really about. When I was a young person, someone spoke to me and said that, hey, really life is... Uh, just two dates, right? It's, it, it, it is the day you were born and the, way, and the day you expire, right? So I, I, I'm born 14 December 1976. Remember those, that date, very important. Uh, drop me a text. I'll be very encouraged. <laughs> 14 December 1976, uh, and one day I'll die. Uh, so two dates, very important dates. And of course, on your, on your tablet or your tombstone, whatever that is, you will have a dash, right? So someone said to me that it, 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 it is how you fill that dash. That, uh, that matters. And so I said to myself, I, I want to fill that dash with purpose, with meaning, with adventure, with stories, uh, with things that no one else has done before. I want that dash to be super meaningful. But after living life for some time, you and I know that it is very easy for that dash to uh, uh, look like, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, dots, you know, where you start, stop, or you look like, you know, a windy path. But nonetheless, you know, uh, I want to leave you with four words this morning. Four words this morning that I hope will encourage you. Uh, as always, I don't speak as of, often now, and I'm grateful for that, Pastor Andre, uh, be, because whenever I speak, you know, I can do what I do best, which is to encourage you. And I think that's the gift of God on my, on, on my life. I want to be uh, I want to be a radical encourager. I want to call out the gold in you. I, I, I want to add fuel to your fire. I want to uh, push you a little bit with uh, some encouragement. But, also, but you know, at, at, at times, the encouragement may come across as like a loving reprimand. <laughs> Nonetheless, I want to encourage you on your journey. I, I, I want to live with forwards, which, uh, which uh, has kept me going, which I believe, you know... Uh, if you can remember these four words for the rest of your life, whenever you are going through a bump on the road, just remember Daniel's voice, all right? And the four words are, keep on keeping on. If you forget everything I say, this morning I want, I want to remember four words. Keep on keeping on. And part of the whole question about legacy, and I love red, it's a very simple slide. I'm not fancy when it comes to this thing, the thing is get the content and get the, you know, what, whatever across. But just remember, keep on keeping on. It is not how you start that matter, right? It's how you end. But it is not just how you end. It is the way you live your life that will lead you to a glorious ending, all right? The Bible talks about making a glorious entrance into heaven. Some of us, uh, if we're not careful, we will just scrape, you know, into eternity, with the skin of our teeth. I believe, you know, if you're, if you're walking with the Lord, you will be, glor- you will be safe, but it's how, it's how you enter into heaven that, uh, that makes the difference. Amen? 
All right, and I'm not talking about your works on the earth that is known by man, because some people are not well known, like what we heard uh, before. It's not like what uh, Andrew said a couple of weeks ago. Some of the intercessors, some of the people that have done amazing things, they may not be household names, but I believe they'll have a glorious entrance into heaven, and that's how we lived our lives on earth. And that's what legacy is. It's not how you start that matters, it's how you end, but it's also how you live a life that will lead, uh, that, that will determine how you end your life. And what, is, what exactly is legacy? So what we leave behind? Uh, we all start things all the time, right? Uh, I started a youth ministry, ended pretty well. I started a church. I think I've ended my season as the leader of this church pretty well. Uh, I've, start, I've started different things. Some I didn't end well. Like, for example, I said to you that I learned swimming. My father's as ambition was for me to become like a swimmer. But because of some setbacks, I drowned taking my... Oh, I, I, I didn't drown. I almost <laughs> drowned when I was taking my bronze, like whatever you call it, the bronze safety. Uh, and I couldn't, I, could, I couldn't float. All right? I was going down and I had asthma attack in the water. And I, I, I still finished the test. I still passed. But that left a fear in my life. And so I stopped. I could have gone on to silver. I could have uh, maybe swim a little bit more. But it is, it's what we go through. It's... it's it's how we end that matter. Amen. And so some things, you know, if we don't end well, it is fine. But in some other areas of our lives, I pray that we will end well. I pray that as a father, we will end well. As fathers, we will end well. We will leave behind a solid legacy for our kids. That we will end well. Uh, I pray that, you know, more than just a house or a bank account or that I'll leave behind a legacy of faith, hope, and love to my kids. Right, I pray that I, I was tearing up in the front you know, about God's goodness as we were singing about that because I, th- I think we, might, we need to have a vision of how we end. And when, when it comes to parenting, I just picture myself like you know, walking my kids down the aisle, uh, my girls, as my, not, not my son, but you know, my girls down the aisle or giving a speech at my son's wedding and, uh, and I, I just fixed my eyes on the price. And I said, that's how I'll end my parenting journey. Every daughter marrying the right husband, walking them down as, proud, as a proud father. That's how I want to end my life. And that they can look at their dad and say, Dad, you have taught me how to live well. I think that's, that's how we want to live our lives. And as pastors, you know, we, we want to pastor people well. Uh, and sometimes that will include like gentle encouragement or you know, a firm rebuke at times, but that's what we need to do to end well. Right? Because life can take a spin at us and, you know, and, it will, and it's easy for us to stop short in our journey and you know, not complete the race. But the verse that I have for us, you know, which is a very co- common verse, we all know it. If you don't know it, it means you are quite new in the faith. And I pray that this verse would become like a goal in your life. But that's what the Apostle Paul said in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. We all know this verse. And this is Paul, the Apostle, at the end of his life. And, and he said these words. And he said, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. I fought the good fight. I finished the race, I've kept the faith. And what I like about this verse is the audacity that this man had. Because he was still alive. He hasn't died. 
but he wrote these words. He knew that his life purpose has been accomplished. He knew that the fight that he was entrusted with, he has done it. The race that he was running, he has crossed the finishing line. He knew it. The faith that he had, he has kept it. He knew that he has finished well. And, and I think that's a very powerful verse in the Bible that as believers and as fathers, as mothers, as entrepreneurs, as, as workers, as friends, I think it's very important for us to, to, to make this statement to the, towards the later part of our lives that we have fought the fight. We have finished the race. We have kept our faith. I mean, it, 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 this is very powerful. As far as I'm concerned, the apostle was audacious. But he was audacious because he knew what the finishing line looked like. Jesus did, did the same thing. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, behind the veil in the conversation in John 17, he said to his father, Father, I have finished the work. You have sent me. He wasn't even in the cross yet. He knew that the cross was just part and parcel of the, of the manifestation of the work. But he has finished the work, he has lived the life. He was so confident that what was entrusted to him, he has done it. He has done it. But in life, it is very easy for us to stop short of us finishing well. And that's why Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, let, let us run. It's not in the slide, but let us run with endurance. The race that is set before us. Endurance is, is not a curse word. Eh? Endurance is not, is, is not an anti-grace word. Endurance, endurance is, is a grace-filled word. The fact that we can endure is because of the keeping grace of God in our lives that will keep us going every single day. It makes us wake up every morning, get out of bed, and in spite of how we feel, we said, God, this race before me, I'll keep running. Endurance is what keep the Apostle Paul, even having gone through shipwreck and stoning and betrayal, he kept going because, you know, he endured. Let us run with endurance the rest, race that is set before us. You know, I, one of the, the well, I, well, I enjoy good movies. I regret watching some bad ones, like all, all of us do. But one of the best movies I, I watched last year was uh, The Darkest Hour. And of course, most of us uh, who love history, we all love Churchill. He's got some amazing quotes. But Churchill was an amazing war prime minister, right? And his speeches kept England you know, and kept the UK in the war. And really, he was fighting his battle with words. You know, I like the last part of the movies where, of the movie when uh, someone said, what just happened, right, in that parliament house or in whatever you call that. And, and someone said, oh, he, Churchill just sent the, the English language into battle. And I totally love it. And of course, we know his famous speech when he says, never give in, right? Never give in. Never, 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 never. In nothing great or small, large or petty, never give in except to convictions of honour and good sense. Never give in. And of course, we change the in to out, out right? Never give up. Never give up. See, it is important that a Christian, for in a Christian life, to have a heart that will never give in to this, to discouragement and failure. If the devil can, you know, can keep us, uh, if we if we keep ourselves from from stumbling, you know, into bad uh, habits, another way that the devil keeps us down is by discouragement, and that is and that that is a standard way that he does it. He has got nothing new in his belt. He, he tries to, to discourage us. He will say words to you, you're a terrible father. 
you know, your terrible mom, your your daughter just curse. What? Why do you learn this from your terrible mother? You know, or you you raise your voice at your son, you lost self-control, your terrible dad, or you know, someone just left the church and uh, for no good reason except that you didn't say hi, you're, you're a terrible pastor, and all these suggestions from the enemy. You know, we discourage us, and if we allow discouragement to 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 keep us down, we give in. Or failure. Hey, we need to fail forward, right? It's it's no no one is immune to failure. I fail probably more than all of you, right? I I mean, I fail in many many different things. I I've been try I try to be transparent as how I feel as a parent, how I feel as a husband, how I feel. Most of you would know my failures if you know me. I'm a transparent guy, right? You but but if I give in to my failure, then I've stopped short in my race, and I and I give up. I drop the baton. Pick yourself up and keep going. Amen. So I want to just talk about a few areas uh, where one's endurance is tested and where we must not give in or not give up. It's just, it's just from my life, right? And I want to just share that with you. I believe there are at least four areas in our lives that it is very easy for us to give in or to give up. And I want to encourage you, do not give up. Endure. First is in trials. It is easy for us to give up when we go through difficult trials. Have you ever been through or are going through a trial that just seems to have no way out? That seems to have no expiry date. This trial is like, just keep going. You know, your trial appears to be bigger than yourself and has been for a long time. And see, trials, sometimes we get so tired in like fighting in this trial, trying to stay afloat as we go through stormy waters that we see, you know what, just give up. But you know what? God allows us to go through trials. He allows His saints to be tried. The best of all saints, in fact, go through the most difficult and long-lasting trials. And not because God takes pleasure in seeing His people suffer. See, God is not sadistic. But God allows us to go through trials. He knows the good that trials can bring in the life of His people. And so that's why the Apostle James said, Count it all joy when you encounter various trials for the testing of your faith, for patience. And when patience has its perfect work, you'll be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. See, God knows the trials that we go through will perfect us. And we know Joseph you know, and Job. But let's talk about Joseph. Joseph had such a trial. And his difficulty lasted for a decade. Not one month or three months or a year. For 13 years, 17 to 30 years old, from, from one thing to another. It just seemed that it, takes him, it, takes him down, it took him down further and further into the pit. Every time his situation changed, it always became worse. Suffered tremendously as a result of betrayal, false accusation, broken promises. God, where are you? Over and over again, he saw people fail him. You know, he saw the system fail him. He thought he could trust the system. The system was broken. Trust people. People were not faithful. Time and time again, he was being let down, you know, from the pit to Potiphar's house as a slave, to the prison, uh, to broken promises, no way out. See, we will experience times where our faith in God and, it, and our faith in God's goodness gets tested and our obedience to Him seems futile. God, I've obeyed you. God, I've kept my sanctification. God, I've tried to live a great life. Why are my enemies prevailing over me? Sounds familiar? Psalms, why am I going through all this? 
trials. Whose fault? Is it me who have sinned? Is it my parents who have sinned? No, it's for the glory of God that you're going through a trial. Our faith in God must go through the fire to prove its genuineness. And that's what the Apostle Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. And, and I love this verse. Let's have a look in, in the, on the screen. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while. <laughs> That's comforting, right? Though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith being more, much, much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found in praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is a very powerful verse. All right, and I want to encourage, I want to give you some uh, ideas on, on, on how you face trials just from this verse. And that's how I face trials in, in my life. I, I'm, no, I'm no stranger to trials. You know, I come across as happy, luck, go lucky, you know, my over matter kind of guy. But all of us go through trials every single day, every single week, every single month. At home, at work, with people. It's part and parcel. What the Apostle Paul is trying to tell us here is this. You must put trials in its proper perspective. Have a right perspective of trial. He, he says, it's only for a little while. Weeping may last for the night. Joy comes in the morning. You will suffer, but it's only for a little while. You may suffer for the rest of your life, but what is life on earth, which is 70 years, 80 if you live longer, 95 if you are super long life, how is that fleeting decades compared to eternity? It's only for a little while. The worst is you suffer for the rest of your life, but at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, when you receive your new body, when you're in the new heaven and the new earth, He will wipe away your tears and there will be no sorrow anymore. It is how you respond in trials. And I tell you, the greater the trials, the more glorious your entrance is. Now, am I sadistic and say you must oh, no, just walk? No, no. I don't, don't schedule trials, please. Don't because of your foolishness look for one. I'm saying that sometimes life may throw you a curveball and you didn't expect it, you didn't schedule it. It just happened one Sunday morning. It is your response that matters. And when and 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 the right response requires a correct perspective. It is only for a little while. Amen. And then the and then the apostle Paul goes on to tell us the purpose. So it's not just the perspective. If you've got the right perspective that the time frame is just for a little while, even though it, is, it may be for a long, long time in this side of eternity, but it's, have a proper perspective. But also the purpose. What's the purpose of trial? It is to try our faith, which is more precious than gold. I like that. Being in Singapore where most of us are materialistic, being a young adult where our parents said, the reason why I give you an education is to bring the move at home. And what you need is to, you know, leave behind, uh, help your kids become financially. And these are all correct, not wrong. But there's something more precious than gold, more precious than a bank account, more, more, more precious than 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 a zero, you know, behind your name. <laughs> I'm worth this much, and that's your faith, being much more precious than gold. 
You need to get that into your spirit. You need to allow God to write that on the tablet of your heart and say, your faith is much more precious than gold, precious than dollars and cents, precious you know, than a big house, precious than, what, you know, than, than the assets, the financial assets you leave behind for your children. Leave behind a legacy of faith that is much more precious than gold. But for gold to be pure, it must be tested by fire. Amen. There are a few people in our church that's in the gold business. Right? And uh, when gold has a lower grade of purity, being mixed with alloys, not alloy, but alloys, alloys, it is also harder, right? And so you can never find pure, pure gold in the market to buy it because you need some impurity, some mixture, so 99.99% pure gold. But you need some impurity to, to, to have hard gold, right? Whatever you call it, to have gold bars, all right? But pure gold, on the other hand, is malleable and soft. It is almost, it's, it's actually the most malleable of all metals. And this is certainly what a heart that accepts trials become. Soft and malleable. If you can embrace trial, God soften our heart through trials. Amen. And a soft and ever-yielding heart is very, very precious to the Lord. A, a heart that will not be stubborn or will not be hard, but a heart will respond in a way that is humble and that, that, that says, God, I don't understand what I'm going through, but thank you. God, I may not see the end, but God, I still love you. God, I, I, I may not understand why, but I still say yes. That's a heart that pleases God. And do you know Joseph, as we spoke about him, had such a heart that really became so precious and become so soft and malleable like gold, full of mercy and very accepting of God's choices for his life. You know, this is what you read, read, read about in, in his life. Let's read uh, Genesis, chapter, Genesis chapter 45, verses 5, and, uh, verse 5 to verse 8. This is at the end of his trial. And I love this, right? He says, but now, he was speaking to his brothers. Do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. Now, that in itself is like, what? I'll kill you if you, betray, you have betrayed me. You threw me into a pit. An eye for an eye. Right? I'll kill you. For God sent me before you to preserve life. It's a perspective. For these two years, the famine has been in the land and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing or harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and the land of all his house and the ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. That's the perspective that I'm talking about. It wasn't the brothers. It wasn't life. It was God who allowed me to go through this in preparation. Now, no, I have seen, no, you have heard, no one has conceived what the Lord has prepared for those who love Him. You, you may be going through something that you don't understand, but at the end of it, I tell you, until you, you walk through it, you wouldn't know why, but at the end of the day, you realize it's all for the glory of God. And the reason in Joseph's life is so that he can preserve 
the Jewish race. And God always chooses his best. <laughs> and sometimes you wonder, why me, God? Why am I going through this? You are God's best. He knows he can trust you with the hard times and the, and the, and the tough times. So trials, don't give up. I meant to the person next day if, and said, don't give up. Don't give up. Amen. The next, the, the next area that is that let's not give up on, on ourselves and our internal battles. Don't give up on ourselves and our internal, internal battles. There may be struggles that, in, that you are going through and you seem to always get defeated where you don't seem to be making much progress and these areas can lead you to think that there is no hope on going further in one's walk. You kept stumbling over the same habit again and again and, and again. And, and you tend to think, oh God, it's just my fault. It's, it's me. I can never overcome this. See, if discouragement is entertained, a Christian can just accept defeat, set, settle for a sorry spiritual state and become complacent and say, this is who I am. God, I, this, it, it is just me. Hey, don't, don't give up. Discouragement can keep a person from being transformed in the, in the area of his life where, where he's struggling. And worse, keep him from moving on with God. You, you get stuck. All right, whether it's perpetual rage, I, when I was growing up, I used, I used to have a, I, as I said to you the last time, a temper issue, right? a rage. I, I, it's not out of control, but I knew it's somewhere there. Right? I knew it, 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 it was there. You know, and every time I lost myself, I'll be so angry at myself. And I wonder, oh God, when am I going to change? Right? You ask your maker, right? Say, God, you made me. All right? I'm not perfect, but God, how or when? Right, and even in the way I lead, I'm like, I I want I want to be a predictable leader. I want to be clear in the way. But I say, God, time and time again, people seem to misunderstand me all the time. God, how or when can I change? So, something more personal. Even years into my Christian faith, we still struggle with uh, lust and pornography. I say, God, how long? I tried different things, right? I, give up the computer, move it to the... And yet I stumble and stumble until God break in. But when? How? It's a perpetual cycle of defeat and you wonder, God, when am I going to come out, to break through, to, to be different? And you start playing in your head, this is, this is who I am. I can't change. I'm never going to change. And you, and you allow these lies to keep you down. And after falling and failing in one test, and it just, it just felt it's, it's not worth fighting again. It's not worth, it's, what's the point? And at some point, Peter's life, he just seemed to have given up. And after failing God again and again, right? look at Peter's life. Good example. He kept saying the wrong things at the wrong time, right? The apostle Peter, the, the, the last person that I would choose to be the first evangelist on, a, on the, the day of uh, Pentecost. All right, and of all the disciples, of all the disciples, it seems to me that, he, you know, apart from Judas, sorry, it seems to me that he was the next in line to be the guy that I will write off, right? As, as the leader of a new enterprise. This guy denied me three times. 
Right? It seems like he was the weakest of the whole bunch, even though he was the most passionate and, and most zealous, but zeal can't lead you anywhere. Even though zeal is great, I want to be passionate, but you know, he kept stumbling time and time again. And the number of times Jesus had to turn to him and said, Peter, Peter, you know, I have to hand you over to Satan to be seated. I mean, can you imagine? An apostle. He could have just given up. And in fact, he did, right? In John 21, he said, I'm going back fishing. He did. I want to go back fishing. Go back to my pre- previous life. What's this whole thing about? I, I'm not worthy. I'm not deserving. I can't be an apostle. God, you made the, right, the wrong choice. Jesus, you prayed overnight. just wasted your 20, 12 hours of overnight prayer. You chose the wrong guy. I denied you three times. I, I'm condemned for the rest of my life. Who am I? You can only imagine the agony that Peter was going through, right? And yet... You know, because of, of the grace of God, he kept going. And this is what he, he wrote. I, I, you know this story, so I don't want to belabor the point. But I want to give you one of my favorite Bible verses. All right? It's in First Peter. And this has really kept me going in my early days. So as, a, as a believer, as a pastor, as someone who's battling with besetting habits and sins, it says, and the God of all grace. That in, 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 in itself, you know, should, should, should just bring us shouts of joy and tears of joy. The God of all grace is not just a saving grace, not just His, uh, no, he's not just his forgiving grace, but it's also His keeping grace. And He's the God of all grace who called you to His eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while will Himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Wow! It's all grace. He's the God of all grace who called you into His eternal glory. You, you didn't call yourself. Peter wasn't applying for a job to be an evangelist. He was just happily fishing with, 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 with his brother J- James, right? Peter, John, J- Peter and James, right? Just happily in the boat and Jesus said, I want to use your boat. Okay, Jesus, come on. It's one thing going to another. He became a disciple. You know, he, it was God who called us. Amen. It was God who has called you and you will suffer a little. Because we are young, we are immature, we make silly mistakes, we are foolish, we, we say the wrong things at the wrong time, we, we give the wrong opinion at the wrong time. We will suffer a little because of, of our own foolishness. He will restore you. The God of all grace called you. The God of all grace will restore you. The God of all grace will make you strong, firm and steadfast. Hallelujah. He will make us strong, steadfast. I'm coming to a, to a close. All right? Let's not give up on waiting on God's promises. All right, let's talk about Abraham briefly. Romans chapter 4, verse 20. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, being fully convinced that what, that what He has promised, that God is also able to perform. Amen. So some of us are giving up on the promises. God, when is the promise coming to pass? You promised me this at 17. You promised me this when I was 30 years old. The promise seems to be slow coming. Listen, the Bible says the vision is for an appointed time, though it tarry, do not. 
give up. Amen. Come on. God is not only concerned about giving you the promise, He's also concerned about the waiting process and the character that He formed as you wait. Amen. The fourth thing that you know, I, uh, I want to encourage you, don't give up, is sowing seeds. Right, when as you sow seeds of truth, and especially for those of us who are leaders in the faith, sometimes you sow seeds of truth and people don't seem to get it. Like you, time and time again, they keep keep sowing, keep watering, preaching to your parents, preaching to your loved ones, and you have been sowing and sowing for years now, and there's still no response. And God, when are they going to get saved? Hey, look at us. God will do His work in the most unusual, most uncommon ways. We didn't expect our parents to come to faith. We were unbelief. We had unbelief. God helped my un- unbelief. And just in case you think it's your faith, the, the greatest you know, of, in history, the father of faith, someone who is known for his faith is a guy named George Mueller, right? George Mueller is a, is a giant in the faith. And yet, 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 yet for 45 years, he was praying for his neighbor to come to faith. He has been going to his house, praying for him, trying to be kind, be nice. He's giving. For 45 years, this neighbor who's living next to the giant of faith didn't come to Christ. No. And yet, at, his, at George Mueller's funeral, this guy said, I'll be a believer now. Though he died, he still speaks. As you sow seeds, as leaders, as you pastor the people, there will be people who are a little bit more stiff-necked. You know, I, was, I wasn't always a good follower. I wasn't always a great member of a cell group. I, I, and I sing a different tune. I'm so glad there are people in my life who are patient with me and keep sowing, keep sowing. Don't give up. Don't, don't give up planting seeds. So as I conclude, I, time is up. Time flies. I want to encourage you, don't give up because your reward is on the other side of your perseverance. Hey, amen. Your reward is on the other side of your perseverance. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12, if we endure, we shall also reign with Him. Do not give up. If we endure, we shall also reign with Him. See, time will separate the keepers from the quitters. Do not give up. You know, I, I, I have to share this, right? I heard this preacher once said, and I love it. Can I have a band on stage, please, as, I just, as, as, as we end? The preacher said, I'm not giving up. I'm going to punch the devil as long as I've, I can make a, a, make a feast. I'm not give, I'll punch the devil as long as I can make a feast. If I lose my arms, I'll kick the devil as long as I've got legs. If I lose my legs, I'll bite the devil. And when I lose my teeth, I will gum him until Jesus Christ comes. <laughs> Amen. You get the point. Very graphic. I will gum him. It's a preacher. <laughs> if I lose my arms, I'll kick him. If I lose my legs, I'll bite him. If I lose my teeth, I'll gum him. Come on, somebody. Amen. Hey, your breakthrough, your transformation is just on the other side of your perseverance. God, God says don't give up because He will see us through. He's Emmanuel, yeah? 
He will never leave us nor forsake us. He promised that whatever He starts in us, He is the one who is faithful to complete it. Not our faithfulness. The Bible says when we're faithless, He remains faithful. I mean, the faithfulness of God is such a vast topic that, I know if there's one thing I'm thankful to God for, it's His faithfulness. Of course, His goodness, His greatness, His power, but it is His faithfulness. Amen. When I was faithless, He remained faithful. I mean, that in itself is like, wow, what? You didn't give up on me, God? You're much better than my boss and my pastor. (laughs) Yes, He is. Then my own parents, yes, that's how good God is. When my parents gave me up, when my bosses gave me up, when my managers gave me up, when, 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 who else? When my pastors gave me up, when my cell group leaders, God, you didn't give up on me. When I'm faithless, you remain faithful. See, one of the ministries of, of the Holy Spirit is a uh, comforter. And I've said this before, but for those of you who are new, just let me repeat myself. We talked about this uh, on Tuesday, Wednesday. After being a pastor for so many years, right? You've heard all my stories, all my illustrations, all my jokes. No longer relevant, right? So I keep myself fresh. But one of my, fa- one of my favorite ministry of the Holy Spirit, he's, he's a comforter. And the word comforter is the word parakletos, right? We all know that. And that's actually an actual office or, or, or a position in the Roman army, right? See, while the Roman army was composed of very good soldiers, powerful warriors, they were not immune to discouragement, especially when they undergo very difficult circumstances. So they would hire these paracletos, who were men who marched alongside these soldiers to give words of encouragement, sing songs of victory, to lift up the spirit of these soldiers. And that's who the Holy Spirit is. He's one who, who will come alongside us. When we're discouraged, He will sing songs of victory. When we are down, He will say, come on man, you can just go one more step. You can just go one more foot. You can just go one more day. He will, encu- he will lift us up. He will, he will remind us of all the promises God has made. He will remind us of the faithfulness of God. He will remind us of the goodness of God. He will remind us. In the same manner, that's who the Holy Spirit is. Amen. The prophet Elisha was being attacked by the Syrian forces and Elisha's servant was disheartened because he couldn't see that those who were with us are more than those who were against us. And I pray this morning, God will open our eyes to see the ministry of the Holy Spirit and to see the ministry of angels, that those who are with us are more than those who are against us. And that if He is for us, God is for us, who can be against us? Somebody say, Amen. Amen. So as I conclude this morning, I, I want to give you Shohan, right? Another one of, one of my favorite verses. It says in a normal translation, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good one. I love this verse, the, the, the number of all. What the apostle was trying to say, is, hey, it's all-encompassing. You know, you cannot transgress outside of the grace parameter God, God has drawn around you. You have all grace. You'll be all sufficient. But I like the Amplified Translation. It's on the screen. I love it. It says, And God is able to make all grace, every favor, and earthly blessing come in abundance to you so that you may always, under 
all circumstances, regardless of the need, have complete sufficiency in everything, being completely self-sufficient in Him, and have an abundance for every good work and act of charity. So when you stumble, pick yourself up. When you're going through a trial and you wonder, God, when's the end? I want to encourage you, just put, just if you don't know what, what the end looks like, just keep putting one foot in front of the other and walk forward. Just keep going. Keep on keeping on. The one who falls and gets up is stronger than the one who never tried. Do not fear failure, but rather fear not trying. Pick yourself up. Keep moving forward. You know, I read what one of the presidents uh, of the United States wrote, and he says, "Press on." Has been uh, is a slogan that, that has solved and always will solve the problems of the human race. Press on. Amen. I'm so glad that those who are trying to discover a cure for cancer, they are still trying. Amen. They didn't give up even after all the different trial and error. I'm so glad that, that the people who are trying to save my life, who are trying to get me to come to know Jesus Christ, didn't stop trying. Alright? Press on! Keep on keeping on. Press on. Right? Press on is uh, short. It's shorter to remember. Press on. Press on. I want you to look at your neighbor's eye. I know, I know it's awkward, but eyeball to eyeball. From heart to heart. Alright, speak into that spirit man and say, press on. Press on. As a father, you may think you have failed, you have stumbled, press on. As a co-worker, you may think you have let your team down, press on. As a cell group leader, you may think that your cell is not doing great, press on. As a son, as a daughter, you may think you have let your parents down, no, press on. As a preacher, you think you're a terrible preacher. Press on! As a church, press on. Amen. Keep on keeping.